Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law. My mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my shameful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Maybe seated. So I'm not immune to the observation that when a very difficult text to preach on comes up, Pastor Dave goes to Lantana. I don't know. It's not really fair. He's a tough guy, but this is a tough one. Because today we're talking about the struggle with sin. It's not exactly the topic that I'd love to preach on. When we have a whole bunch of happy people here, came to see little kids get baptized, and you're like, woo, he's going to talk about sin. Mm. The only thing I could do better is talk about money, but I won't do that. We're going to talk about the struggle with sin, but we're going to have a, it'll work out okay. Don't worry, everybody. It's going to be fine. It's going to be all right. We have a dilemma as the people of God. We are aware of our sinful lives, most of us, nearly all of us. And since time immemorial, people have been trying to figure out how to get right with God. How do you get right with God? For, for some, that meant get right with God so that the rain falls on the crops, right? Get right with God so that you get healed. Get right with God so this um, economic situation you're in improves. And, and for many of us still, we, we want to get right for those very reasons. Get right with God to have a, a better life. Uh, many would also want to get right with God because after all, we don't want this to be the end of our story here on earth. We want our story to continue on forever. So how do we get right with God? Or as the jailers said, when the earthquake came, asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? I'm aware that I've got these shackles, Marley's chains around me. I'm aware Maybe not of all of them, but of some of them. What do I do to get right with God? Well, most of the times, we do the same thing that we would do if we had this. Let's see. I've got fever. I've got chills. I've got a cough. i got a sore throat. i got a runny nose. i got muscle and body aches. I got headaches, I got fatigue, things are coming out of places they're not supposed to come out of. What's going on? Well, probably I've got the flu, or at least a really wicked cold. But, but I think we all know that all of those things that I just mentioned are what we call symptoms of the underlying illness. They're the, the symptoms of something that's going on 
in us. That is a virus, some friendly person passed on to us that is now uh, manifesting itself through these symptoms. The symptoms in many cases are things our body's trying to do to get rid of this virus. Not too much success. In fact, if you go to the doctor, the doctor is going to treat the symptoms because there's really very little you can do about the virus once you've got it. So this is the truth with sin. We notice we've got all these things that we're doing or thinking in our lives that don't seem right even to us. Even to our minimal standards, we're kind of aware of that. If we've been really schooled in all the laws of God, we might even feel worse because now we know more of the things that we're doing wrong. And that's one reason why people don't want to know anymore. (laughs) I don't want to know anymore. I don't want to feel any worse. Guilt for us is is that way of capturing the sense that I am doing the wrong things, thinking the wrong things. And, and, and so it's a moment of honesty, a moment of honesty to say, hey, these things that I'm doing that aren't right, these things that I'm thinking that aren't helpful or healthy, I need to do something with them. And, and we believe that we need to do something with them or else what? Or else we won't be right with God. If we're not right with God, then we have much to worry about. Not only the kind of life we'll live now, but the life that might come or not come. And so we want to do something about these things. And so we address the symptoms, just like we would address the symptoms of a cold. We address the symptoms. And we've been doing that for 4,000 years Ever since the very beginning, God had a relationship with his people and, the, and, and various commandments were given. People were doing the best they could to obey them, more or less. And, and then realizing when they didn't, they needed to do something about it. You just saw one of our treatment programs, didn't you? Baptism. Wash that baby clean. Wash away the dirt of those sins, even though they look like little angels to me, we say they're part of the human condition and they kind of inherited, sadly, the sin of humans. And undoubtedly, mom could tell us maybe that the older one anyways might already have found a path in that direction. Okay, yeah. And so that's great. We've just washed them. It's wonderful. This is Awesome. What about 10 minutes from now? What about an hour from now? A week from now? Listen, I cannot set up a permanent office right here. And you don't want to live in a shower, do you? Because you're very aware that that if that's washing of sins and that's what I need, I'm going to need it all the time. Constantly continuously because I know that even once I've gotten rid of them they're going to come back again maybe in different forms hopefully hopefully we move from major sins to minor sins but let's be honest even the best people have have found themselves falling way off the wagon 
And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we know we could too. Put ourselves in different circumstances. It might not just be little things. It might be big things. Paul lists uh, some of the things that are symptoms. Symptoms in our lives of something greater. The virus within us. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. And you're like, yes, I haven't been a Wiccan for a decade now. This is great. But then he goes on to say, and hatred, and discord, and jealousy, and fits of rage, selfish ambition, drunkenness, envy, and the like. Jesus gets kind of tough on this too when he says it's not so much if you kill your neighbor that matters is it if you if you hate your neighbor it's not so much if you commit adultery as if you think about committing adultery and so what are we to say we're to say we're sinners all of us all of us constantly regularly awfully humans were very practical How do I get rid of this? How do I get rid of this? And as I said, we wash in the water. But there were other methods too of sacrifices. You sacrificed this poor, innocent animal to take your sins away. Put the sins on that. That's what they called the scapegoat. Put the sins on the goat and kick the goat out of the village. There the sins go. It's not surprising that that for many of the conversations about what Jesus did, that he's the scapegoat, that, that he came to take our sins away, but, 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 but he's gone. He may have done it then, but what about now? Whole systems were developed to help us get rid of our sins. The washing, the sacrificing, the praying, the fasting, the pilgrimages, the relics, the worship, the communion, the liturgy, being as good as we could. All those things were constantly used as some sort of effort to say to God, see, now will you forgive me? God is merciful. If we ask God for forgiveness, he'll give it. But then what? Ten minutes later, we're back on our old track. Ten minutes later, it's like nothing changed. If you just treat the symptoms, that's what's going to happen. If you just treat the symptoms, the illness remains. I can go all over my yard and my Goodness, do I need to do that and pull out weeds. I can pull weed after weed after weed. But if I only get the top and I don't get the root, guess what? They just laugh at you. They go, thanks for the haircut. See you next week. <laughs> no, you have to get it out by the root. And, and you've noticed nature has found all sorts of ways to make that nearly impossible. How do you get to the root? You have to know what's at the root. What's at the root of sin? The root of sin. Well, I'd like to differentiate between the symptoms with a small s, sins, 
and the root of, of it all, big S, sin. Big S, sin. And what is sin then? And this is a very different definition to get a hold of. Sin is the word for our separation from God. The broken relationship we have. The root problem we have is that our relationship with God is broken. It happened a long time ago in the garden when Adam and Eve knew much better and still went their own way. And since then, there's this brokenness that we have with God. And all those years as people kept trying to deal with that problem, they kept focusing on the symptoms of that problem. They kept focusing on the results of that problem. But not the problem. Why not? Why didn't they focus on the real problem? Because they didn't know they could. They didn't know there was something more. How could they know? All they were told about was was follow the commandments, follow the rules, and keep following them. They even came up with this idea that, that you could be forgiven at the very last second of your life. Last rites to wipe those last sins away. But woe be it to you if you got the last rites early. You wouldn't die clean. And who wants to live with these sins anyway? Not only do they hurt others, but, but they're a constant drag on our life. They're, they're constantly holding us back. We feel heavy. We feel um, weak. We feel sick. We feel burdened. We feel um, a sense of, of disquiet, a lack of peace. What's worse is it, it we feel that way. We want to feel that way about other people because misery loves company. So I'm constantly looking for your sins too. What a world to live in. To be constantly questioning. Can I ever get right with God if I keep doing these things. And all the answers tell you, no, you can't. You cannot. You are not able to. And this is where Paul steps in. Well, Jesus steps in first. But Paul is the one that is able to clarify it. Paul steps in and says, listen. You can't do anything about the virus. You can't do anything about that root of that weed stuck in your lawn. You can't do anything about the broken relationship you have with God. But I can. See, it'd be limiting Jesus way too much to say he came to take away our sins. In some ways, those really are insignificant compared to the the thing that really needs to be touched on, to take away our sin with the capital S, to take away our alienation from God, to take away our our disconnection from God, to be what we call him at Christmas time, Emmanuel, God with us. And that's what matters the most, is that God in Jesus Christ has said to us, he said to these two boys, I'm not just washing away your sins, I'm Diving in. I'm diving into your life. I will be with you now. Where, where that promise was not made, it's now clear. It's clear in Jesus. And that message 
that God has come to restore the relationship that has been broken with him in us. It's called grace. And that's the most beautiful thing. And Pastor Dave gets to preach about it next week. But it's important if we're going to understand grace to understand how much we need it and why we do. Now, no matter what I've said so far, for some of you, there will be a sense that, that actually, I think I'm pretty good. I would say 90 times out of 100, someone will tell me, I think I'm doing pretty well, or I'm doing the best that I can. And since I'm basically a really nice guy, I don't immediately preach a sermon to them. But if you found yourself saying, I think I'm doing as good as I can, that's when you know you're in trouble. That's when you know you're fooling yourself. That's when you know that for some reason you have now decided that you don't really need God because you're good enough. But if we recognize our brokenness, if we recognize our sins as the symptoms of a greater sin separation inside of us, then there's only one conclusion that we can come to. I need God. I cannot live without God. I cannot breathe or move or think. Everything else is Shadowland without God. Everything else is just plain house without God. It's so important that we get to that point, and, and, and it's so difficult to get to that point. People that can tell you they've gotten to that point, and I had one come up to me after the service, the first service said, you know how I got to that point, Pastor? I said, tell me how. He said... I hit the bottom in my addiction. I hit the bottom. I realized I was out of control. I don't want us all to have to do it that way. Can we be honest? Can we be real and say, if, even if I'm not sure I'm doing lots of terrible things, that, that I do have this heaviness, this loss, this confusion, this, this gap, between what I think life should be and what it is, can we at least realize that? Paul says that God sent the law not to show us how to be right, but to show us how much we need him. Isn't that a weird idea? Sent us the law not to show us how to be right with him, because we can't. We don't pull it off. But to show us how much we need him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I can't. I need you, God. Love your neighbor as yourself. I don't. I need you, God. Tell the truth. I don't. Help your neighbor. I don't. Be faithful. I'm not. Every single law, every single law is another teaching moment for us I'm not doing it. I need you, God. 
And far from that being a position of weakness, that is the moment of blessedness. As it says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now I'm found. That's the moment. You might remember the Star Trek uh, series uh, with the Borgs. That was really like the scariest Star Trek ever. These Borgs were these, these machine robot people that were taking over. And, and what they would do is, is they would um, assimilate you into their hive with the, these devices. But what was, was a great line from that? Resistance is futile. Resistance is futile. We can keep pushing back and saying, no, I think I'm okay. No, I think I'm good. No, I think it's all right. No problem. I'll come and see every once in a while, God. Keep me in mind. Or we can say, uh-uh. If I'm really being honest here, things aren't right. Not right. Law keeps pounding that toward us. Keeps pushing that toward us. Keeps saying to us, Don't you get it? It's not all good. But wait, it's not all bad either. Because something else that's futile to resist is grace. Because God sends grace grace upon us in wave after wave after wave. Like you're standing on the seashore and they just keep coming. They come through friends. They come through family. They come through a word you hear, a sight you see, a sunrise you're a part of. It comes and it comes and it comes again and again. Though resistance to sins are futile because of our sin inside, so is grace. It's going to keep coming and keep offering something beautiful, something wonderful, something different, and that is stop for a second. And recognize you need me. Let go. I've got you. I've got you. Luther said it's like looking into a mirror. You look into a mirror and you realize who you are. And you're like, well, if I'm really being honest here, who's got like, uh, you know, like soft bulbs in their, in their bathroom so that the mirror isn't so... You know, if you look in the mirror, it's like, oh boy. That's the function that the law has. Oh boy. But once we say, oh boy, once we say, oh, I'm in trouble, something rushes in. Grace. Noticed, God says. This was the whole point of sending my son so that you would know one thing and you would know it always, and that is you are loved. You are loved now. You are loved tomorrow. You are loved forever and ever. Amen. And although that knowledge will probably not stop you from sinning again, that knowledge will be the kind of knowledge that that you want your boys to know, right? That they know no matter what happens, that nothing can break the love you have for them. Nothing. And they always have a second chance, right? They always can come back. And, and they'll always be loved. What happens when someone knows that no matter what mess they get into, they'll always be loved? I would say everything happens. Everything. And so God says to, that to us. He uses 
law. The, the laws that we can't keep. To convince us of that. Now, can they ever be used to guide our lives? Well, of course. Of course, when, when, when um, we say don't cross the street, and they cross the street without asking, and you are upset with them, which is good, and you have some sort of a consequence, which is good, better than other consequences. And then you say, but we love you. Chances are a lot better that they won't cross the street without asking again. Because people thrive with love. People learn with love. They grow with love. Love is, is really the only way. And so if we know it, if it's there, if we know we all need grace, it's not just a nice thing that God does, but the central thing that he does for us is to say, no matter what, no matter when, no matter where, I love you, and nothing will change that. And everything changes. I invite the band back up as we pray. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We give you thanks today. It's sort of a part one, a part two, you know. Um, We've got to understand the place of sin in our life, that it's not just the things we do or think, that it's the brokenness inside, and that if we don't let God come and heal that brokenness inside, then nothing's really going to change. But if we, if we acknowledge that you've come to love us, if we let you love us, if we let you be the healer, then everything can change. And we can be open to a life of grace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.